just some of these wide receivers are guys you will have for the rest of the season. So while I'm not high on Elijah Moore, I do think I mean we're talking draft strategy in an upcoming video and we can talk about this. I think there is I mean room to take some wide receivers later, but we'll get into this a bit later. Um I'm, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay with Elijah Moore actually. I, I was overreacting a little bit. I mean, I don't love Elijah Moore. I kind of like Amaran St. Brown slightly better, but at this point, you barely even need to draft him. Just he might be a waiver the guy. Lions. Come on, dude. <laughs> Who knows? There's got to be a wide receiver one there somewhere. I mean, maybe not. No, I mean, not, it's not a TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> yeah, the TJ Hawkinson show. But Hawk. other than that, I mean, Tony, Terrence Marshall, I wouldn't draft him. There's just too much competition in both of those offenses. I think that's kind of all the rookie wide receivers that even draftable at this point. I mean, anyone else in the range now? I don't really think so. And lastly, when you're looking at rookie tight ends, once again... There's Kyle Pitts. There's Kyle Pitts. And we've talked about Kyle Pitts. You kind of know how we feel about Kyle Pitts. It's all about the value game. And if you can get good value in Kyle Pitts, unlikely, but great. And if he's at Sixth where he's going... later. If he's at where That's he's what going, I'm saying. I'm not drafting him in the fifth. I'm not drafting... I'm not drafting Kyle Pitts in the fifth round. I do not care. And then Pat Fryermuth. I mean, I wouldn't draft him, but if you really want to, you can. <laughs> if you want to, you can. You can. I mean, we're not stopping you. All right, I think that's going to wrap up this video of just the rookies and kind of how we feel about them and their average draft position and whatnot and all that. We're about to record a draft strategy video, so go check that out and see you next time. Alright guys and welcome back to another episode of Casual Sports Fans. In this episode we are talking fantasy football and we are talking about the rookie players and what their fantasy outlook is in this year. We're talking about the running backs, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers. We're talking about rookie players and what we think of them for this year in fantasy football. This is Evan and Andrew and here's the intro. So we're going to start with the running backs in this year. And I think it's right to start off with the running back that's being drafted with the highest ADP. And that is Najee Harris. Now, Najee Harris, people are wondering about him because the Steelers have a bad offensive line and they pass the ball like 60 times a game. So, Evan, what do you think of Najee Harris? I think people are normally pretty wary on taking rookie running backs because they don't know if they're going to perform right away. But this is a case where I don't think you should be worried at all. Najee Harris is a very talented running back going into a system that's going to be running the ball a lot. And he's going to get just a whole lot of volume. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And with the volume he has, I think it's very unlikely he finishes outside um, an RB1 and you're drafting him in a spot where if you're drafting him as the RB12, RB11, and you get him at that value, you're winning the draft right there. I mean, with Najee Harris, the best way to think about him is that he's going to get so many touches in the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. offense because there are no other running backs. They drafted him in the first round for a reason. They could have drafted Big Ben's, like... Off- offensive lineman, even. I they could draft an offensive lineman. Their defense is already pretty good, so I think they're chill there. And they have a lot of good weapons. So they could have drafted... O-line to help Ben Roethlisberger. They could have 
drafted maybe his predecessor, someone mm-hmm. to learn under Ben Roethlisberger and eventually take over. So I don't know what the Steelers are doing in this aspect, but they drafted him high and he is guaranteed like over 300 touches. There's no way he doesn't t- mm-hmm. like there's yeah, and by statistics. That means he's going to be running back one. There's very little running backs who haven't been with that many touches. Exactly. It is almost impossible. You have to be so bad to get 300 touches and not be an RB one. I think it's very, very, very rarely not happened. And I think it's been like all super old players that just like some, I think maybe Frank Gore had one of those seasons. I'm not <laughs> sure, but I love Najee Harris in pretty much any format and sure I wish you know his outlook for catching passes is a little better because Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really pass to the running back you think with his bad arm he'd throw short to running backs I mean he just hasn't had running backs to pass to the last run he had had to pass to his Le'Veon Bell so I think with Najee Harris who is a much better pass catcher I think there will be room for I mean maybe third receptions at the worst and that will be good enough to keep him in that conversation PPR He's going to be good in any format. Exactly. Like, he's being drafted in, like, the second round, but, like, he's we see him creeping up into early second, and I mean, I'm that's more than willing to beg at that draft price. I'm not sure if I would sneak him into the first round, but, I mean, early second in any format, right? Yeah, so, like, looking at the players, Najee around, he's around the likes of, like, a, if you're going to go running back, a Cam Akers, a Joe Mixon, or the wide receivers of maybe, like, a D-Hop, Calvin Ridley, would you take him? Over those guys, or is it kind of a spot where you would like to shy to like the mid second round? <sighs> okay, I mean, so- I would I would like Najee Harris though over those wide receivers that you're talking about because mm-hmm. he is one of the few running backs that you're gonna get outside of the first round that is guaranteed a certain amount of touches. All right, and that's just a rare thing. I mean, we look at guys like Cam Aker. At the end of the day, uh, Sean McVay does like running back by committee because he doesn't want to run someone to the ground like he did with Gurley. I mean, who else? I mean, Joe Mixon. Okay, you could claim, oh, mm-hmm. similar situation. You know, they're going to pass the ball a lot. Three good wide receivers. There's no other running backs. You know, there's no Giovanni Bernard now. Battle line. <laughs> Battle line. Like, you may be drawing the similarities. But what we've seen with Joe Mixon in the past is opportunity for him to start getting receptions and start getting the ball in other aspects of the game and either him not succeeding in that role or not being able to stay on the field. Now, I'm not saying that Joe Mixon's a bad pick for this year, but there's a reason people are... are picking Najee Harris over him consistently in drafts. But I just think that Najee Harris is kind of like towards the end of a tier, and I would totally take him over those wide receivers because you can get a lot of wide receivers. You know, I would totally take Najee Harris over those running backs in in a pretty much all situations. I would take him over those wide receivers. I mean, in some scenarios, you would like a, D-hop, a guy like D-Hop early second round, but I do think having two great running backs going into your draft is very valuable. So Najee Harris, in my opinion, is a good early round second pick. Who do you want to talk about next? ETN, the other first round. I mean, I think pick? ETN is the second highest in ADP, and he, it's a really interesting case because he was also drafted in the first round with a quarterback he's had a lot of experience with at Clemson. So there is room to see him get lots of volume, to get lots of receptions, because he has that connection with Trevor Lawrence. But also, he is fighting with a running back that was very, very good last year in James Robinson who should at least get some volume because he was so great last year, but you also have to think that since James Robinson was drafted so low and you put so much value on ETN the first round, ETN should be the featured running back, but also, I mean, you could see this as a committee and that hurts both of those running backs a lot. So I don't seem to be drafting ETN too much because people are drafting him as complete upside and not fully expecting him to be the number one running back in that offense, but also expecting him to be the future running back right away, which 
It's slightly unlikely, but I mean, there is lots of upside there with his role in the passing game. Okay, ETN, I mean, it depends on the format. If you're in a standard league, you can kind of just ignore him and let him be. But you don't draft a running back in the first round from the school that, like, I mean, what? He played with Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, like, well, yeah, throughout their he whole literally careers. played their, with him throughout their whole careers, and they could have drafted literally any other position. The Jaguars need so many positions. I mean, they probably shouldn't have taken him, but they There's did. There's literally no reason that they should have taken him unless they were going to actually use him. So in PPR leagues, I don't think that he's a terrible value in, what, like the fifth, sixth round? But be wary of, you know, not targeting him as your, oh, I totally punted the running back position early on and now I need a guy that I know is going to get a good amount of touches because that's just not going to be your guy he's more of a you got one or two safe running backs early you just want a upside pick one that you know you can play in a flex position maybe if one of your other guys gets hurt again as a fifth sixth round pick in PPR leagues half PPR eh up to you so that's how I see ETN who's who's another rookie running back I mean, I think Javante Williams is oh, the next Javante one going at ADP. And oh. I'd probably take Javante Williams over Travis Etienne because that's I do. bold. I mean, you can say that's bold, but it I is, also though. do. From Yes, it's bold based on where they are drafted, but you could also see that Javante Williams was drafted maybe 15, 10 picks after him. So it's not like the draft value that was given to get Javante Williams was much less than given to get Etienne. And I think that the Broncos are in a better situation for a good running back. Where Javante Williams could be the workhorse. I can't see ETM being a workhorse in the Jaguars. He just won't. James Robinson is going to get carries. And he's going to steal some touchdowns in the rushing game. And he's going to get volume at some degree. While with Javante Williams, I think there is a lot of room for him to become the featured running back. And if Javante Williams is a featured running back in this Broncos offense, he can perform at a high level and be a even an, a good running back too for you. While ETN's upside is kind of peaked with James Robinson there. Well, I think you can say a similar thing about his upside being peaked for Javante Williams as well. I mean, at the end of the day, he's on an offense with Drew Locke as the quarterback, and he's on an offense that hasn't been successful since Peyton Manning in 2014-2013, right? I mean, what's the upside for Javante Williams? Sure, he's going to probably be the lead running back. By the way, I just want to preface this. I love Javante Williams as like a sixth-round pick. Like, literally... I mean, some drafts, you can get him even later. You can get him in the seventh. seventh or eighth. But, like, sixth, I will take him in, like, any format. Love it, right? So I am not arguing against the value of Javante Williams. But I'm just saying, if you're going to say that ETN's upside is kind of peaked with James Robinson being there, why can't Javante Williams' upside be peaked with the fact that he's on the Denver Broncos offense with Drew Locke as his quarterback and Melvin Gordon still under contract and still there? I mean, sure. Before the season starts, they could just cut Melvin Gordon because they want to get rid of the contract. And at that point, Javante Williams would probably be like a fourth-round pick right there. But until then, how can we say for sure that ETN's really going to, you know? I mean, I get what you're saying. Obviously, Javante's upside's peak at a certain level. He's not going to be running back one. He's not going to be even an early running back two. But when you're looking at ETN and Javante Williams, I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be a huge factor. I mean, he could be a huge factor, but the way it's looking... He could get cut. He could be, I mean, barely even used in this offense. Well, with the ETN situation, you're not drafting the lead running back in offense. You're drafting a pretty much timeshare between the two guys, and you're hoping the receiving upside is enough to project him into running back two territory, which I don't know if that would really be the case. Well, with Javante Williams, there is room for him to be a main running back, and a main running back with volume 
an offense that will be, I mean, good enough gives you more room to be like a mid to late running back too. I'm not, which I'm not saying he's going to be, but if you're drafting both of them, I mean, you're drafting Etienne a bit higher while he's in a situation where I think, I mean, there's more guys that will. So it's about the value per pick, not that necessarily that Javante is going to be better than Etienne. I mean, but you would take. I mean, I'm ranking Javante above Etienne, which you you get you could say it's bad. I just. With James Robinson there, well, I, I don't agree see if Melvin Gordon gets, like, cut or something. You know, if they release Melvin Gordon, I'm a thousand percent. And I think the entire fantasy community is completely on board with Javante over ETN. But isn't my, – my thing is, is Melvin Gordon even at practice? I don't think Melvin Gordon's at practice yet, and I don't know if he will come That's to practice. True. He could hold out. That's he could true. be cut. I mean, There's, Aaron Rodgers isn't at practice, but we know he's going to show up. Well, he's just kidding. I should not say that on record because if he doesn't, uh, Evan's going to pull this up and be like, I'll screen, okay, I'll screen okay. record it. Look at what you're – he's going to send this in our group chat and be like, look at this bad take. That's literally what he does with Ben because, like, well, Ben also, will say some really bad basketball take, and then he'll just, like – go back and screen record him saying the take. That'll send him when he gets mad at me. I mean, it's perfect. Here's the deal. A lot of times, our friend group likes to say interesting sports takes that don't come true. But especially with a certain someone, he likes to give a lot of takes that may not be of a certain quality. And they, but and they when they up hit, continuously. But when they, but when they do, when they don't hit, and someone brings it up, he'll make an excuse. But if they do hit, then he calls himself a genius, like the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl, or saying that Stephon Diggs is going to do a backflip into the end zone, which I gotta give him credit for. That was pretty cool. So it's like being caught in 4K. All right, let's move on to Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about them separately, but they're grouped together because they have very similar ADPs. And if I'm at a point in the draft and I can get either one of them in like the eighth or ninth round or whatever, I would love it. Uh, really quick, how about let's start with the guy that you would prefer. If you see Trey Sermon and Michael Carter, let's talk about any format. It doesn't matter. Which one would you rather have? This is re- a really hard conversation, and... I think currently Sermon is going a bit higher and he's kind of creeping up in ADP. And right now it's really tough. I go back and forth on this pretty much daily, but I think I might have to go Michael Carter. It's really weird to say because Michael Carter is on the worst offense and he was drafted around later, but also he's in a situation where he should be able to win the running back competition. The other guys there are Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, guys that haven't really pushed themselves to being a running back one on a team and doing that consistently. So Mike Carter's in a situation that he should win the job, and when he does, he could be a pretty solid value. But, I mean, that said, Sermon's upside has to be talked about. Well, it's just about percentage of backfield. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, in the Niners' backfield, when is the last time a running back has gotten over 1,100 yards? I'm pretty sure it was Carlos Hyde had, like, 1,200 yards. Back yeah, just a big time share. I mean... I mean, the thing with Trey Sermon is that, like, by the time Raheem Mostert gets hurt at some point during the season, you know that Trey Sermon is going to have those, like, three or four weeks in the middle to late part of the season where he is giving you 20 fantasy points per game, very consistent, very safe, because he is the lead of the running back committee. He's getting all the touchdowns. He's explosive. He's great. He's not tired or worn out or anything. And I think that people are kind of banking on that fact, but also banking that he's going to do that over not just three to four games like Jeff Wilson Mm -hmm. does when he comes in, but he's going to be able to do that over half the season and especially in the second half of the season and help you win your fantasy championship. 
And I'm kind of leaning towards that. I kind of agree with that. I mean, the the Niners' offense is built for running backs to succeed and built for them to run the ball well and be explosive and be fast. They always have fast, quick running backs. And so, at the moment, I'm not sure. I actually flipped back and forth. I was about to say Trey Sermon, and I think I almost talked mm-hmm. myself into it. But yeah. you're right. There's literally no one else in New York besides Tevin Coleman because he kind of knows the system because he was just with the Niners and Robert Sala came over. But he's not like, I don't know. He was, he was a defensive coordinator. I'm not sure how much of a Kyle Shanahan... It's also like, yeah. what type of offense is the Jets going to run? I mean, they're running a kind of Adam Gase To be honest, maybe, the, maybe the 49ers Jets will be running the same offense. Who knows? They honestly could be, <laughs> and this conversation could be absolute. And they're, yeah, they both could be in timeshares. They both could win the job. It's it's just really hard to know, but they are, like we said, both they're great both values. They're both really talented, though. I mean, like, they're both great values in, like, the eighth, ninth round. And... <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe seventh round is a little early because I feel like you can get different players. I that think I think early eighth sure. is probably. I mean, I mean, I'll say the earliest. We'll see where that goes. But I think eighth round is kind of prime range to go. Yeah, what's tough is that Evan and I are in a draft, and he'll have the first pick in the eighth round. So unless I want to overreach on one of these guys in the seventh, I mean, <sighs> that will be, be interesting. Now, listen, we're both going to be stealing picks from each other, so that'll be South fun. Goes, yeah. Any other rookie running backs that are like, I don't think Kenneth Gainwell is really going to I think do there's only the one Eagles. guy that will have any sort of value down the season, and that could be Chuba Hubbard in case of a Christian McCaffrey injury. I mean, that's the only situation where any of these running backs could perform, but if you have McCaffrey in a deep league... I'm not even sure if Chuba Hubbard will be drafted in most leagues. He probably won't be. I just think... After Mike Davis, though, shouldn't we draft McCaffrey's back? I mean, if you, if you have McCaffrey or if McCaffrey gets injured, it's going to be an absolute frenzy oh on the way for Wyatt to grab him. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, don't look too much into these other guys. Like, I guess Elijah Mitchell is a six-round pick on 49ers, but, like, yeah. it's timeshare. Who knows? All right. Uh, how about we go to the quarterbacks? I mean, what are the significant ones that you're even willing to draft? I mean, there's Trevor Lawrence. There is... I'm not willing to draft Zach Wilson unless you're in two quarterback leagues where, you know, this is... Just to preface this, we're, we're talking in conventional one quarterback leagues. Mm-hmm. If you're in a one quarterback league, I don't see a reason to really draft Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough to see yourself drafting Zach Wilson because when you're in a one quarterback league... He's a guy that's supposed to develop. They didn't draft him to be good immediately. You know, they knew yeah. that he struggled against hard teams and they're trying to build a team around him for the future. They're not trying to win this season because they know they're not going to win this season. They're the Jets for a reason. He, he's also a quarterback that's probably in anywhere from like the 20 to 24 range, which you likely won't need to pick unless you grab one of the top quarterbacks. And even at that range, if you're grabbing Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler, you'd probably want a safer backup quarterback. So it is hard to see myself drafting Zach Wilson, even with the talent there and the new weapons there. In a two-quarterback league, he could be good value because everyone is dropping him down just because they don't think he'll perform right away. Also, we're not drafting. I just want to get the guys that we're not drafting out of the way just so people can hear him. We're not going to draft Mac Jones, right? No. I'm not drafting Mac Jones even if he's a starter. Okay. Now, before we get to Trevor Lawrence, these are the two guys that I think are in somewhat similar situations because they're not guaranteed to start week one, but they are probably better than their starter, and they'll get opportunity to start at some point this season, and both were drafted, you know, in the first round. I'm talking about Trey Lance and Justin Fields. So they're both I th- mm-hmm. Listen, these guys, in some of the mock drafts I do, they don't even get drafted, which is a crazy thing that Trey Lance and Justin Fields just don't even get drafted. I mean, if you draft one of the elite quarterbacks, like one of like the top five quarterbacks, you know the tier I'm talking about. I'm talking about Mahomes, Allen, 
Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. If you draft one of those guys and you just punt your backup because you're never going to even consider starting your backup unless there's an injury to your starter. I mean, what is the odd? What, what, does it hurt to pick Trey Lance or Justin Fields? I mean, they have a rushing floor. They have offense. They have uh, upside. They have a lot of upside because the second they get to start one game or maybe they come in for an injured quarterback or they come halfway through when Dalton throws three interceptions in the first half, um, Nathan Peterman-esque, I mean, they're going to be such a coveted free agent. Why not just spend your, like, 15th round pick on them? Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I don't think I would take him as a quarterback, too, but if you were to consider taking a third quarterback, I think these would be two guys to... Okay, so third drafting. quarterback. That's not bad. I just think like it's pretty risky if you even if you have one of those great quarterbacks, if they go down, then all you have is Lance and Fields, and then you're kind of worrying on the waiver wire. I'd rather maybe get like a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, if you're going to go really lay on your back. But also with Trey Lance, he does need time to develop. I've been pretty high on Trey Lance for a while, while other people have been saying a lot of stuff about Lance. I wasn't that surprised he was picked by the 49ers that early, but I do think he's going to sit for the majority of the year. I don't know if that's just a gut feeling. But mm. I think he might say most of the year. Fields, on the other hand, my prediction's been week four. So who actually knows? But, I mean, maybe for taking a third quarterback, like, last round, second last round, you only need a defense kicker. It's not a horrible pick. At some point, all the quarterbacks are, like, just the same. So, I mean, once you get into, like, the backup quarterbacks, I mean, I feel like there's, like, a higher tier of them, like, the ones that you're willing to start even and stream and stuff. But then once you get to, like, the back end of the, like, so what? If your quarterback goes down week one with a torn ACL, I mean, you're probably going to pick an extra guy up to stream anyway. I mean, if people are – if it's a one-quarterback league, I mean, only 24 – quarterbacks probably maximum i don't think i've ever seen more than 24 quarterbacks get taken in a one quarterback league i've never seen people listen i've seen people pick a third quarterback but it's balanced out by the people that only pick one quarterback but i think we can both agree that picking a backup quarterback is a good idea should we go to trevor lawrence i mean yeah trevor lawrence is a guy that i'm not fully targeting but he could be a good value if people aren't drafting him once again because he's a rookie because he's in a great offense I mean, at least should be a great offense with a good offense that's not gonna be great, down in good games offense. and is gonna get well, a lot of garbage sucks. yards. Yeah. Since they didn't address their defense, their defense sucks. So it's a positive game script for the quarterback. And with that positive game script, he has Chark, he has LaVisca, he has his new weapon from his old team in Travis Etienne, he has James Robinson. There's guys there that should be able to catch these passes, that should put him in a territory where if you're drafting him as a backup quarterback, that's pretty solid value, but I wouldn't draft him as my starter in any sense. I like all the guys from like the Staffords, Tannehill's, Burroughs, Brady, all those guys over him. But once you're past that and you have one of those guys, and if you couldn't have gotten two of them, I mean, he's not a bad guy. I mean, I feel like he's a pretty nice high upside backup because they yeah. know that this is going to be their – I mean – I mean, he could suck. You know, everyone says, oh, yeah, this is going to be their franchise guy, and then he ends up sucking the first year, right? So, I mean, that phrase is thrown around a lot, like franchise quarterback. But, like, legit, it feels like the city of Jacksonville is, like, already building a Trevor Lawrence statue. I mean, they are fully prepared for this guy to be I mean, the starting quarterback for the next 20 years. They are prepared. Well, I mean, they're of- building everything around him. They're building the team. They're building the front office. They're building the coaching staff. Everything is to Trevor Lawrence's liking, which shows that maybe you should care for your quarterback a little bit. But all I'm saying is they're putting all their eggs in the Trevor Lawrence basket. So 
I feel like he does have some upside for this season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also on the front of them, like putting going all on him, he he is one of the top quarter prospects in the world. And when has Jacksonville had a guy like him? I mean, yeah, Jacksonville should be excited. If I was a Jacksonville fan, I'd be going nuts too. Wide receivers, should we start off with Jamar Chase himself? Talk about being reunited with a quarterback, or is there someone that I'm missing that's being drafted even higher? I mean, Jamar Chase is being the highest drafted rookie wide receiver, and it makes sense he was the top rookie wide receiver prospect, and he's going into an offense with a quarterback he has lots of experience with. That's going to be a high-volume passing offense. So there's lots and lots of reasons to like Jamar Chase. And while looking at the guys around him, it is pretty interesting and I am coming out of drafts with Jamar Chase because if you can get him in the fifth round, the sixth round, that's pretty solid value. But closer to draft time, he could sneak a bit higher in ADP. And also, there may be guys that are a bit too excited about him that will be drafting him a teeny bit too early. So he's one of those guys that I like right now at his ADP, but I'm slightly worried it might jump a bit. Yeah, if it jumps, we do have to realize that there are still three viable wide receiver mm-hmm. options in this offense that are all going to get a good number of targets because they're behind in games and they pass the ball a lot. But we do have to remember, if his ADP sneaks up in like the early fifth round, I think that's when we put the brakes on it. I think mid-fifth round is like the earliest I'll be willing to take him, and then anything after that is just good value. Uh, Jamar Chase, who is... I mean, Devontae Smith, you want to talk about him? People like him around, like, what, 7th, 8th round I mean, I really like him around 7th and 8th round because when you're looking at the guys around him, none of those guys have potential to be the clear top wide receiver on the team. And Devontae Smith, I mean, is there anyone else that's going to stop him? He's going to be the clear top wide receiver on this team. And with a lot of people really liking Jalen Hurts' value, calling him upside to be a top five fantasy wide top five fantasy quarterback, someone that's going to come in the rushing game, but he's got to pass the ball to someone. And Devon Smith will be that someone. He's a very talented wide receiver. I'm not too worried about the weight concerns for this year. I mean, maybe in a dynasty league, you should be slightly worried about his weight and size, but he's shown that he's been playing against NFL-level cornerbacks. He's absolutely dusting them. He won a Heisman for a reason. He's a very, very, very talented football player, and I don't think a weight will be a reason to not draft him this year. I think people are so overreacting on that front. Polo G throughout the first pitch of the Cubs game. I didn't know that. I mean, yes. <laughs> is he from Chicago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm dumb. Right. <laughs> yeah, Adrian's dumb. I'm dumb. Uh, Devontae Smith, I just... <sighs> I was just hurt so much by the Eagles offense last year when I drafted Miles Sanders in two leagues last year. And I get that Carson Wentz is gone and Jalen Hurts looked pretty good when he was starting. And did they fire Doug Peterson? I forgot. Did the Eagles? Yeah, they have Nick Sirianni, who's been interesting. I mean... Where is he from again? I'm not sure, but he's had some interesting speeches. Okay. I'm not sure how okay. he's going to be. It's just really tempting to avoid a lot of the Eagles' offense in general. So it's not a knock against Devontae Smith because he's clearly incredibly talented. And I'm not that worried about his stature too much. I mean, maybe he's a little bit more susceptible to injury, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I just have a hard time drafting him earlier than the eighth. Round. I mean, okay, the issue is in the 7th and 8th round is where I'm looking for a lot of, like, I'm looking for, like, if I didn't get one of the elite quarterbacks, that's when I look for a quarterback. Or maybe if I didn't get one of the elite tight ends, that's where I start to look for tight ends. Or maybe this is where I look for, like, 
you know, if Javante Williams have fallen or any other, like, high upside running backs, I don't usually take a lot of wide receivers in, like, the 7th, 8th round when Devontae Smith is going. So, I mean, by the time I start looking at him in the ninth, he's always gone. So I don't really have a lot of experience drafting Devontae Smith in mocks, but I wouldn't be pissed at him in the 8th round. I kind of agree. All right, who else wide receiver, rookie wide receiver? I mean, when you look at the next rookie wide receiver... Jalen Waddle from the Dolphins is... I, I don't... I'm not going to draft Jalen Waddle in any leagues. I think the offense will be fine. I don't think it will be anything special. Two is a fine quarterback once again. I don't think the Dolphins offense will be good enough to spread the ball to Waddle, Devontae, Mike Isecki. I'm kind of down on all of those guys. I'm not focusing on drafting those guys. My next guy that is draftable for me is Rashad Bateman who is more of an upside guy because he could be the wide receiver one in the Ravens. He was a first-round pick for them. They should look to utilize him in the offense. And if they do, and you're drafting him, like one of your last picks in your draft, that could be a guy. I'm not saying he's your Justin Jefferson, but he could be one of the guys you're drafting in the last round that could turn into a startable fantasy player. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the upside is capped a little bit just Mm -hmm. for the fact that there aren't enough receptions to go around in the offense for anyone. I mean, it feels like Mark Andrews is always the leading, like, uh, fantasy receiver getter, and that's just because he scores touchdowns. It has nothing to do with the number of receptions he gets. I mean, in PPR leagues, he's unbearably frustrating sometimes. So... But yeah, I love Rashad Bateman, double digit rounds, like I mean, round yeah. pick. I mean, it's not much risk. He, he's talented. I wanted the Packers to take him. I mean, yeah. So I'm okay with Rashad Bateman. Anyone else? Um, do you think anything of Elijah Moore or Amaran oh, St. Brown? Tags loves, tags tags loves, loves Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. And a lot of people love Amaran St. Brown because he could be the wide receiver. I mean, both are interesting. Though, I mean, unless it's Jamison Crowder is still there. And like, Jamison Crowder is the one that gets like. Jason Crowder is the one that gets, like, the receptions and stuff. And I'm just, like, I'm not sure if there's enough room for Elijah Moore to really break out on an offense that we know isn't going to be that good. I mean, sure, they'll be behind in games. But, like, so what? If the offense sucks, the offense sucks. I get that it's not Adam Gates anymore. But, like, I'm talking, like, late. I'm talking about, like, if I already have my kicker and defense picked by, like, the 14th and 15th round, like, that's when I would take Elijah Moore. I'm probably not taking him much... You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, late, late, because I probably have... Because how often do you genuinely pick wide receivers past, like, the 10th round? You know, do you really? Because think about it. You, I get, mean, you pick that many... I pick, like, maybe one wide receiver in double-digit rounds. Because I just get, like, three of them, maybe four of them early, and I just, like... Then I'm fine on the position. Because you're going to pick them up on the way... No, no, because wide receiver is more more than, like, any other position. I mean, okay, sure, you know, kickers and defenses, ignore them. Wide receiver, more than anyone else, is heavily waiver-wire picks. Don't tell me that one... By the time you get to the season, half your wide receivers are from the waiver-wire. They are. Whether, I mean, sure, part of that is injuries, but they don't get injured as much as running backs, and it still feels like a lot of your team is wide receivers from the waiver wire. And so if I'm like, okay, I could spend this pick on an upside running back that's either a handcuff or could be the workhorse guy if this guy goes down or a high upside quarterback, uh, you know, or I can get like a high upside tight end even. Those are fun. The Darren Waller and Mark Andrews were like like double digit round picks at one point you know why pick 
Elijah Moore in like the eleventh round, really? I'm not high on Elijah Moore, but I do think taking late round wide receivers, there is some potential there because they're I mean, looking at at this point, Rashad Bateman is one of the late round wide receivers. They can get in one of your last rounds. Russell Gage is a guy you can get in the last round. John Brown, these are all guys that have room in offenses. I like Russell Gage. And it's just I think it's pretty tough to say that when you're drafting a running back this late or tight end this late, you're dropping most of these guys. Week two, week three. I mean, some of those guys will have upside, but you're dropping them week two or week three in a lot of cases.